Hello, and welcome back to the NCTC Library's monthly podcast. My name is Michelle McLaughlin, and I am one of the librarians at the Corinth campus. If you've been keeping up with our blog, you know that our latest post was on the topic of intellectual freedom and censorship. We briefly gave an introduction to these concepts and took a look at a few nonfiction books that have been banned in the United States. You may have already noticed a pattern with the banned books that were highlighted on the blog. All of these books were written by minorities or they promoted a minority point of view. These books were also contested during times of social upheaval in the United States. The history of censorship throughout the world is no different, and you can also see this pattern reflected in the censorship of many works of poetry and fiction. Further back in history, it was quite taboo to write and speak freely on innumerable topics. Authors would make attempts to disguise their defiance of these taboos by writing fictional accounts, sometimes using only thinly veiled references, other times using symbolism that is less obvious. Let's take a look at a few well-documented accounts of censorship throughout time. So it's 8 AD and we're in the Roman Empire. The Emperor Augustus is in power, and Rome is flourishing. The poet Ovid is very popular, and many are speaking of his latest work, Ars Amatoria. Ars Amatoria is an elegy, and it includes instructions for the best ways to attract love and desire. However, we have the Julian Laws in effect. These laws promote marriage and childbirth, and they also allow for the prosecution of adultery. Ovid's Ars Amatoria is an indirect challenge to these laws. Many citizens, including Emperor Augustus, believe that Ovid is promoting seductive and morally questionable behavior that could result in adultery. As a result, the Emperor Augustus censors all of Ovid's works from the public libraries, and Ovid is exiled from Rome. Now, let's set the dial to 1559 in the Vatican, where we find that the Catholic Church has begun keeping a list of books that they have banned. The Church publishes this list and calls it the Index Librorium Prohibitorium, or the Index of Forbidden Books. The Index of Forbidden Books is a catalog of all the books that the Church believes to be uh, heretical or ideologically dangerous in content. The Church continues to update and publish this list up until 1948. It does not stop using this last edition until 1966, an entire, oh, 407 years later. One of the most famous authors to end up on the Index of Forbidden Books is Galileo and all of his scientific works, especially those that promote the idea of Copernicus's heliocentric theory, the idea that the Earth revolves around the Sun. In 1633, the Inquisition finds Galileo and heliocentric, heliocentric theory to be erroneous in faith, and Pope Paul V orders Galileo to abandon completely the opinion that the sun stands at the center of the world and the earth moves. The Pope also orders Galileo to not hold, teach, or defend this idea in any way whatever, either orally or in writing. Let's time travel again to 1857 in France. The poet Charles Baudelaire has just published his controversial work, Le Fleur du Mal, or in English, The Flowers of Evil. 
The Flowers of Evil is a book of poems, many of which focus on themes of sex and death. A French lawyer, Ernest Pinard, prosecutes Baudelaire for six of the poems contained in The Flowers of Evil. Two of the six poems in question contain themes of lesbianism, and the other four contain mild sadomasochistic themes. Even in the 1850s, the French are viewed by England and America as being sexually liberal. But these are different times, and there are still some taboos even for the French. The court believed that the banned poems were too realistic and would lead to a quote-unquote excitement of the senses. The French court's ban on these six poems does not lift until 1949, almost 100 years later. By this time, Baudelaire has achieved status as a classic poet, and he is considered to be one of the most important influences on modern French and European literature. We'll take one last trip into history. 1922, in the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, or the USSR. The Soviet Union has established the Central Censorship Office, which aims to purge all of the USSR from expressions deemed to be destructive to the New Order, and that which is quote-unquote contagious to the minds of the people. The Central Censorship Office has complete control and authority, not only over books and publishers, but they also shut down art performances and newspapers they consider to be hostile to their interests. The import of foreign books has been stopped, and foreign radio station broadcasts are jammed. The government controls all television, radio, newspaper, magazine, and book publishing. Anyone trying to circumvent censorship is assured a visit by the KGB, if not more. Even owning a single copy machine is illegal, and the possession and use of copy machines is tightly controlled by the government. It would be impossible to name all the works that are banned during the Soviet rule. In fact, the Soviets take the award for longest-lasting government-enforced censorship during the 20th century. It wasn't until the USSR dissolved in December 1991 that this officially came to an end. Of course, modern Russia and many of the former Soviet countries are not free from censorship today. But as far as we know, it doesn't rise to the level that it did during the Soviet Union. Throughout all of human history, people have been persecuted for what they believe or what others have perceived them to believe. People have been burned at the stake, crucified, exiled, and imprisoned for views or their expression of ideas that were different from the cultural norm. Censorship can take many forms and often begins rearing its ugly head in small, insidious ways. I will leave you with a quote from an award-winning author of young adult and children's books, Lori Halsey Anderson. She says, Censorship is the child of fear and the father of ignorance. As always, we thank you for listening. Stay tuned next month for a look into bookmaking and preservation with our Flower Mound librarian, Sabrina McKeithen. Thank you. Bye.